1: oklahoma business down in el reno they're also in bethany as well so people in the bethany area know the diffies really well but if you're looking for anything new used um ford lincoln or whatever i'm sure they could find anything you want um check them out DiffyFord.net, and then on instagram at diffiefordlincoln This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us on August 11th at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum for a celebration of hope featuring guest speaker Tim Tebow and musical artist Ben Fuller. Find out more and get your tickets at HIA10.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hinn here, host, back with another episode gives me great pleasure to introduce you our guest today who has a phenomenal story and one, um, a heartwarming story, I think, no pun intended. Uh, Mr. Jeff Smith, thank you so much for coming down.
0: Oh, uh, you're welcome. I appreciate you inviting me.
1: Yeah. So thanks for reaching out. Uh, I'm glad that the guys over at o- Oklahoma city public, um, okay. PSA, um, Professional Sales Association uh, kind of connected us or sent you in my direction. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, it's really podcasts happen by, you know, referrals and and the stories and, you know, you strike me as someone who's not going to shout from the rooftops, hey, listen to me, I have a great story. Um, But when someone says to you, hey, you should, you know, there's a podcast like like Mike's, you should come on and and so I appreciate them and thank you for reaching out uh, because, you know, it's not something that, you know, as Oklahomans and, and as generally as normal, humble people, I think, that we don't like to reach out and talk about ourselves very often. So I appreciate you doing that and following up. And we're here today to hear your story. So you bet. Uh, I guess before we, I mean, we can start way back if you want, because I know you didn't grow up here, right? No, so, I didn't. I actually
0: um, grew up in Roswell, New Mexico, Alien of town. all places. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I'll keep my antennas down a little bit <laughs> so that we can no green continue to right talk. Now. That's right. <laughs> um, but I grew up there, went to school at West Texas State University in Canyon, Texas, and met my sweetheart there, and so we're about to celebrate, I shouldn't give everything away, but uh, 40 years of marriage this next week, so very excited about that, Uh, but I came back to uh, Roswell after graduating from college and uh, started uh, working in a bank as a commercial lender for about 11 years and then I started my own company called Prime Source Mortgage. As a mortgage guy, I've been in that business for 30 plus years. And um, we actually started our own company and it um, ended up having about 32 offices in 10 states. Took the company public. Mm-hmm. Sounds a lot cooler than it was. It's more headache. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, Instead of helping people get into homes, I was dealing with attorneys and accountants and investors. Not There's anything wrong with those guys, but that wasn't the plan. So um, I do think that caused some uh, health issues, which kind of brings us to today's story. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so much like as an entrepreneur, you know, that... That one kind of whiff of, oh, it must be great to just have a nine to five work, you know, eight to four every day, Monday to Friday, and do absolutely nothing on the weekend other than watch football and do my thing <laughs> and be with grandkids or whatever. However, entrepreneurs, we're a little different, right? Like, we, we know yeah. we're, we, it, it, you know, we just have something in us that just says, I think I can do more. And, and obviously that led you to and whether it's a good thing or a bad thing you kind of chase success you yeah. chase the ladder and there's always something bigger and better right which ultimately I think is the fault at sometimes, right? Because sure. what are you chasing? You know, there's that, what's that famous quote about the the fisherman, right? Who's like meets a bank mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And, he, you know, that people listening, if you don't know that quote, I'll find a link to it and put it in the description. But basically, you know, it, it puts life into perspective. Like, what are you living yeah. for? You know, are you living to retire or are you something you can do right now? With just Yeah. Love I don't parties? know it as a quote, but
0: I know, you know the story. Meaning, right? Yeah. Uh, because it is so much like that where you uh, can only imagine finally being the, the day that you can go out into that little boat and do your fishing and come back, take a nap, you know, the whole story. Yeah. And, uh, ultimately this business guy is tried to take him all the way down this path to get to the same spot, yeah. you know? So yeah, I hear you. That's, uh, that was, that was the dream, but, um, I actually did enjoy working for myself, uh, I think having control a little bit more than as an employee is a big deal. And uh, so I, I really did enjoy that. The, the health issue was just something that probably, I probably had something similar uh, going on my whole life, but I just didn't know it and it showed up. Uh, actually on my 40th birthday.
1: Yeah. So up until that point then, you hadn't really had any health scares. You kind of just going through life, like working, yep. enjoying things. Obviously, you know, you mentioned forty coming up on 40 years of marriage, traveling, and just kind of enjoying, you know. Yeah. Do you have kids as well?
0: I do. I okay. have two, two kids. Uh, my daughter owns her own company, Entrepreneur, yeah. in L.A., Los Angeles, and uh, my son is here in Oklahoma City, and he is a co-founder for a company called Spoken Gospels. Okay. So they're they're both entrepreneurs.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was faith, faith a big part of your life as well growing up? I know you mentioned It was. was I've always been a faith
0: guy, uh, but as... The story we'll share—it's—it uh, became a little more real.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you get to your, you know, your, your, your business guy. You know, you, you got your own mortgage business. Um, you take it public. Do you sell the business after that, and then around the same time, or do you still have the business when you return your fortieth birthday?
0: When I when I turned forty and went through what I did. Um, I went ahead and stayed with the company, knowing that I probably was going to exit sure. sometime. I exited in 2015. Company continued to exist, okay. so I. Uh, but I, I left my own little baby that I had uh, created, which was difficult. But at the same time, uh, i had done some consulting since sure. and some various things. So
1: yeah.
0: all in the mortgage business.
1: All in the shaka. Yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, so. Fortieth birthday comes around, um, and do you you know you're just thinking I need to get a physical just like I do every year and see my doctor and check up.
0: Yeah, I actually did think that forty potentially is about halfway through my life, sure. and I thought well, you know I'm gonna I want to try to stay somewhat healthy, and I had seen some people uh, again. This was in Roswell, New Mexico. The mayor and a couple of city councilmen were. Uh, actually runners, marathon runners. And I thought, you know, that's, that looks great. And uh, I'm just going to go do that. And I, without any reading, without any training, I just pulled up some shorts, threw on a T-shirt, and took off running. And I'd gone about five minutes, and all of a sudden, I felt extremely tired. Everything was heavy. Uh, and I just I knew I couldn't go much further. And uh, so I walked a little bit. About a minute later, I was fine. And I took off again with another five minutes. Same thing kind of happened. So I called a buddy of mine who is a a marathon runner. He was also in my mortgage business and a very successful guy. And I said, hey, you're a marathon runner. What's the deal? This was taking place. and he said, uh, can I be honest with you? And I was like, of course. you know? And he said, Jeff, you're a wuss. <laughs> I said, what do you mean I'm a wuss? And he said, Jeff, run 25 minutes and don't stop. Just yeah. bust through that human barrier. Yeah. And uh, so I did just that. I took off running, and I didn't stop, didn't matter. And at the end of 25 minutes, I had a little chest pain. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's kind of weird. And I, I really didn't feel like I could say anything to my wife. She... Uh, was actually in Lubbock, which is only a couple hour uh, drive away from Roswell. And uh, she was with her parents who had both had open heart surgery within the last 45 days or so. And so I, uh, I didn't say anything, but I was wrestling with my my son there in Lubbock that evening, and uh, I couldn't lift him. And I, I said something, hey, why don't you, you know, uh, let's not do that. Yeah. And, and uh, he... Uh, my wife heard me and said, what, what's going on? And I told her, she said, ah, I'm not going through this. You call that cardiologist friend of yours. And I, let's get this taken care. Well, needless to say, next morning, I was down at the uh, hospital doing all the tests uh, back in Roswell the next morning. And I, um, you know, everything was fine. I I had a little bit of chest pain, but it wasn't a big deal. And uh, went home about 5.15 that evening this is kind of the first red flag when your cell phone goes off and a cardiologist is on the other end. He says, Jeff, I need to see you and Cindy in my office right now. And I said, Cindy, why do we need Cindy? And I kind of trying to joke it off a little bit. And he was like, "Uh, Jeff, it's not funny. I need to see you in my office now. And uh, so I said, that's fine. And so Cindy and I went down there and uh, walking in the hospital area. It's about 515, 530 then. And uh, some of the employees were leaving. We, they ushered us in the back. And I thought we were going to a patient's room. We went right into his office, his personal office. That's uh, red flag number two. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were sitting there and he came in and it's just like on TV. He's got his white lab coat on. He won't make eye contact with me. And he's looking at his clipboard and he says, um, Jeff, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're uh, you've blown through your mitral valve, and your heart's getting bigger and bigger, and quite frankly, it could explode. Oh my gosh! He said uh, you need to get your affairs in order, and I just I couldn't believe it. I mean, I went to some degree into a shock because I don't remember much more of what was said. Cindy and he talked about how they were going to fly me to Lubbock the next day to uh, have a. Uh, open heart surgery and try to save my life but I mean this was easy math I've got about 24 hours to live and um, so I uh, we get get in the car and we're headed home and I said hey I'd like to call this lady she was in our mortgage business in El Paso her name's Marcy Oglesby and she's a big prayer warrior and I'd just like her to pray for me and and, uh, I called and instead of doing that typical Christian thing of oh I'm so sorry I'll pray for you She said, "Uh, okay, Jeff, I'll pray. And as soon as I hear what you're supposed to do, I'll call you and tell you exactly what to do. I thought that was really weird, and I just kind (laughs) of blew it off and uh, went through the rest of my day maybe hugging my kids a little differently. And next morning on the way to the office to kind of clean things up a little bit, um, I uh, got a phone call uh, from Marcy, and she said, "Uh, Jeff, I know exactly what you're supposed to do. I thought that was kind of, kind of weird. I was like, okay, tell me. And she said, well, I just saw Dr. Oz, Mehmet Oz on Good Morning America. And he was talking about your heart surgery. And I just, you know, I'm thankfully she couldn't see my face. You know, I was just like, okay, whatever. I'm not, I'm not calling him. And I, as respectfully as I could, I hung up. And about that same time, that gentleman that told me to uh, run 25 minutes and don't stop. He thinks it's his fault, and he's calling me. What are we doing, Jeff? And I said, well, before I tell you, let me let me tell you about this hilarious call I got from Marcy. And, and he says, uh, you know, I went through it all with him. And I said, isn't that funny? And he said, so let me get this straight. You asked her to pray for you. She prays. She tells you exactly what to do, and you're not going to call <laughs> I said, no, I'm not going to call him. That would be so embarrassing. He said, he's a celebrity. And he said, you call me after you've talked to him. And he hangs up on me. So I got that to live with. If and when that really happens. And so I, um, I got to the office. And at that time, you could still Google him. And I, I Googled him. And he's at the New York Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in New York City. And I... Uh, called. Thankfully, he didn't pick up. I left him a long voicemail, told him exactly what the doctor had said, knowing I'd never hear back from him. Well, seven minutes later, the phone rings, and uh, my secretary says, Dr. Oz, on line two. Well, it was Dr. Oz, and uh, he said, if everything you're telling me is what happened, uh, I think I can help you. What I need you to do is overnight all those records to me, everything that you have and I'll call you back in 24 hours and tell you you know if I agree or whatever well obviously that was difficult because I've got my buddy this cardiologist who's telling me get on the plane give us a give us a chance to save your life
1: right
0: or do I follow what I believe are our faith you know god-led steps to to just 24 hours and and that's when I think it got a little bit difficult was yeah. to just try to wait that out We decided to do that, and 24 hours later, to his word, he called, and he said, yep, it's exactly as I thought. Your heart is getting bigger and bigger, but it's not going to explode. It's going to be about, my guess would be six months to uh, 18 months, and we'll have to do an open-heart surgery. But, you know, we're going to be able to use this robotic arm. It's brand new. In fact, I was on Good Morning America this morning, or yesterday morning, talking about it. Which really just kind of blew me away how all those little things kind of came together. Those, what I've come to learn them as God winks that go on every day. And um, so anyway, long story short, took about, uh, ended up taking about two and a half, three years before I did have uh, surgery in New York City, and um, the night before having surgery, they do the final test to be sure everything's fine and make sure there isn't any issues with any of your arteries. And again, at that point, I'm only 42 years old. Nobody expects anything. But during that last test, they noticed that my main coronary artery was blocked over 80%. And they said I was a walk-in time bomb. And that the next morning, they would not only use that A robotic arm, so that I could still be part of their data pool. Um, They were also going to have to open me up normally and uh, go ahead and do all the bypasses and everything that they had to do. So it changed from being a a very serious surgery to definitely life-threatening. And I think that's when I got pretty fearful. I I really thought God was either going to heal me or this was going to be a pretty simple thing, and this appeared to not be, and as they were rolling me into uh, the operating room, I, uh, for the first time in my life, I think I started questioning whether God was real, because I, none of this was happening the way I dreamt it, Um, and so I prayed, and I know you're not supposed to, but I asked for a sign, I was like, God, just anything, let me know you're here, and we pushed through into the operating room, and it was just freezing in there. And I was like, okay, that's not the sign I'm looking for. I need something. And then as we got to the table, a, a gentleman said, okay, let's move him to the cutting board. Well, subtle that, that level of sensitivity at that moment certainly wasn't the sign I was yeah. looking for. And I usually stop the story at that point and just share two things that you may already know Partially. One is that I'm crazy about my wife, Cindy. Okay. And secondly, as I have a cup of chai every morning. Okay. And it seems kind of silly, but I love to do it. And um, so I'm on the table, and this gentleman leans over me and says, uh, Jeff, you never met me before, but I'm your anesthesiologist, and I'm going to put you to sleep. More importantly, I'm going to wake you up. And he said, uh, My name is Dr. Chile <laughs> but you can call me Chai. And, you know, I kind of thought for just a second as that sort of was sinking in and this lady leans over me right over my head. And she said, now, Jeff, I want you to look around and see all the staff here and all the equipment. I'm going to make sure everything goes perfectly fine. And my name is Cindy. And, you know, I I just had this warmth come over me at that moment in time. And I, I just knew God had just... Given me a couple of his winks, and I knew everything was fine. Whether I lived through that surgery or not, that wasn't the point. You know, the point was to know that he's in control, and um, and I'd be fine. And I obviously survived, and everything uh, went went fine. Dr. Oz did that particular surgery, and then about 15 years later, here in Oklahoma City, medical technology had moved even further, and. uh, Dr. John Randolph from here in Oklahoma City uh, did a second one, and uh, now I get to be on
1: this is Oklahoma because you get to tell stories and, I and did. you know share that moment. Because so so after after the first surgery, then you go back to Roswell, New Mexico. Or, I did. Okay. Yeah, stayed
0: in Roswell. Um, I think surgery was in 2005. Okay. And uh, I stayed there till about 2016, so another 11 years or yeah, so. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, one of, I think, my favorite, if not—well, one of my favorite, if not my favorite burrito places in Roswell, Burrito Express.
0: You're not going to believe this. I know the owners. They uh, are super good friends of mine.
1: It's like—so I'm actually driving down there next week. I'll be down there Wednesday through Sunday. Oh, <laughs> how great. Uh, and it, it is— Usually we fly, but this time we're driving. And every time we drive, I get to go to Burrito Express. So I cannot wait to go and have a steak and bean cheese burrito or whatever it is with that great handmade flour. Yeah.
0: And they now have three in Albuquerque. Part of the family is there. So anytime you're in Albuquerque, you can do the same thing because it's the same food.
1: It's fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) If anyone listening wants to go and get the best burrito they've ever had, they need to go to Roswell or Albuquerque because it is, yeah, it's... um, I, I'm very much looking forward to that. So, so do you go so once you have the first surgery like what are you do you think am I gonna slow down a little bit Do you, do you start running like what's the what, what, I mean how do you take it after that because you kind of you've been given a second lease on life at that moment
0: right Really you really have and um, you know they, they had led me to believe that uh, although with a mechanical valve which is what I have now, mm-hmm. uh, life is a little different. Um, but not much, it's a different kind of medication kind of thing, but I do everything and, uh, I never became a marathon runner cause I think I have a mental block against yeah, that, yeah. but that might've uh, been a sign, but I mean, certainly play yeah. tennis and golf and okay. you know, all that kind of stuff. So,
1: yeah. yeah. So back to work slowly and just kind you of get your mind working and you know, it's sure yeah. I
0: was, I was back to work fairly quickly, uh, maybe a little too quickly cause I had a few issues, uh, there but um but yeah I, I was fine then and boy the uh, the second one here was just a, a dream yeah this uh heart hospital that we have here in oklahoma city is one of the most amazing places ever
1: yeah so so that ultimately is what you, brings you to oklahoma city is for that second surgery, or do you move to No, we,
0: we actually moved here. We moved our headquarters of Prime Source
1: Mortgage here. Okay.
0: And um, so I moved with with the company. Uh, we were picking Dallas, Oklahoma City, or I believe Austin. We never even made it to Austin to check it out. Yeah. We went to Dallas first, came to Oklahoma City, and never left because yeah. we love it.
1: Well, so what, what was the, the deciding factor to come to Oklahoma City then with the business over Dallas?
0: Uh, actually, it was traffic.
1: Yeah, that's a as huge cra- <laughs> As yeah.
0: crazy as that may sound. Yeah. Uh, we could do the business part of it from anywhere. Okay. And so that wasn't as big a deal. The fact that we were a public company, they wanted us out of Roswell, New Mexico. They were tired of talking about aliens, aliens yeah. all the time with every investor. And uh, so- we, we uh, chose Oklahoma City and have loved it and yeah. been here ever since. So. Yeah.
1: And at this time that you move here, do the kids come with you? How old are the kids at this both point? The,
0: both the kids went to ORU. Okay. Yeah. And I think that introduced us to the state of Oklahoma. Sure. And um, both had great experiences and... Uh, so
1: yeah, it's yeah. a great campus up there, isn't it? Yeah, it really it's phenomenal. Is. And they have a brand new thirty million dollars basketball facility now as well. Which, whenever I need you're to up see there, that. it's fantastic. Um, my a good friend of mine is the assistant golf coach up there, so we got a sneak peek before they'd started, before they opened the doors. Um, and man, it's. F- you look back and you think if I had this if I, when I was in college <laughs> I mean they have like on site nutrition, chef I mean, oh. and this is just for, just the whole athletic department huh. not just basketball and, and football and everything know, yeah basketball and baseball I think they yeah.
0: since you're friends with the golf coach does that
1: put you and I on any golf course oh, or uh, not? It should I mean it they get to play some of the greatest golf courses in the state <laughs> I think they're when you go into their golf facility the first room you go into it's kind of like a it's a little nook it's got like a couch and stuff in it and then magazines coffee table and you look up on the walls and it has the five golf courses that they play you know it's the patriot um cedar cedar ridge southern hills uh golf club oklahoma you know <laughs> and just like who and then you walk around the corner and you see their golf facility and you're like, where do i sign you know it's it's oh, great. i don't know what they do but yeah their golf program is uh is doing very well so very so good. the love of golf start from a young age for you it did
0: okay. yeah my dad instilled that in in all of us um my brother and I, I think it stuck the most. Um, had a sister as well. She played a little golf, but it was mostly my brother and I. But I do recall at the age of seven, my dad said, you know, we couldn't start until we were eight. And, you know, that put a bite of the apple right in front of us. And we practiced and we were great that six, seven. And by the time we teed off, I remember playing 105 holes my eighth birthday we started at daybreak and you know it's one of those free things for young kids and we just played the whole day
1: Mm -hmm. so so when yeah it's funny you say that because we couldn't my golf club back home we couldn't join until our eighth birthday yeah that's something and and my granddad you know i have my still i have it today in my office here my first golf club that he gave to me Mm. that's the greatest thing ever um you know i have photos of me whacking that around whacking golf was around the yard when i was you know six, that's seven awesome but yeah when we joined uh joined the golf club um yeah it's just those summers you, you know parents drop you off in the morning and they pick you up when the sun's going down exactly like, what have you done today like play golf <laughs> all day <laughs> <laughs> oh it's just the greatest sport in the world it's why i'm in this country um love it and Will spend the rest of my days playing golf until I can, until I can't anymore. It's, uh, it's fantastic. But so, so back to moving to Oklahoma City. Then you, you know, you decide you and Cindy, you, the business, is coming to Oklahoma City. Um, I mean, other than traffic, like you know, Oklahoma City's grown so much in the last ten to twelve years. But sure, know, what, what was kind of like? What, what did you think of when you get here? And, and what are you obviously yeah. golf? You're into golf as well. But what else does uh, does Oklahoma City say? Yeah,
0: you, you know, one of the biggest things was. Um, in Dallas, because again we were comparing, mm-hmm. but these turnoffs when you get off of 35 and you circle around to to go somewhere else, there's all this room. So much space. Yeah, so much space. There's none in Dallas, and uh, I know this sounds a little bit like I'm slamming Dallas. Uh, you know, they've got some nice things there, yeah. but Oklahoma, that was that was really neat. The the people were probably a close. Second, you know, um, just so incredibly friendly. And uh, we've loved the neighborhoods. We've been in three neighborhoods since we've been here. And, uh, you know, the people are all just incredibly friendly. So. Yeah.
1: So you're here quite a while and then you have, that, you have, you have to have the second surgery. How does that yeah. come about? Is that just the timeline of just the You know, after
0: one? after having the first, uh, then I'm seeing a cardiologist specialist once a year. Sure. And I'm thinking everything's just clicking along just fine. And then a particular year, uh, the surgery was in 87, so it was in 1980s, excuse me, 2016, the, the surgery was 2017. In 2016, he said, uh, "Jeff, it looks like you're leaking just a little bit again. Uh, we're going to have to schedule another open heart surgery to get this taken care of and put this um, finishing artificial uh, valve in." And it's it's just different. The new ones are just so much better than they were 20 years ago. And um, as much as I hated to hear that, the description of the heart hospital and Uh, you know the once I met with Dr. John Randolph he was the most amazing guy I've ever been around Uh, he put me such at ease because I was just like I don't I don't want to do this again he was horrible in New York you know the the hospital the only thing good was Dr. Oz and his team you know that was it the rest of the facility I was not uh, not that pleased with um so, this one was great. And, um, but yeah, it had to be done. And so, 2017 took care of that in April of 2017 and been great ever since.
1: Yeah. And, and kind of since obviously you've had both of these in that whole moment, I mean, what kind of leads you to talk about it? What leads you to, to share your story and tell others as, as well as kind of just using it as a way to. Consult And also, you know, obviously with your business expertise and background there, you yeah. can kind of marry the two and talk about it in, in just a general way. Like what leads you to that?
0: Well, it was fairly dramatic to have those things happen to me. And uh, the reason why I'm sharing the story is because it had such an impact on my life. Uh, it was a true, for the longest time, I, I just called them little nuggets that God gave us. Now, uh, after a, a recent meeting, I shared. shared With me, and she said, Please steal it. It's a God wink, you know, in your life. Um, And so I I had actually written the story about all of it, and I ultimately wrote a book uh, just finished coming out uh, first of this year called Get Your Affairs in Order. And um, being my name, since it's Jeff Smith, I I have my author uh, name and uh, website is Mm JeffreyRogersSmith.com. And uh, it's just easier to, um, to identify it that way. But I, I went through it. It's a fairly short books, probably 110 pages or so, but uh, it gives the background that I've shared today and about 10 other stories. We had a, went to the U.S. Open the day before the heart surgery, and it was just a last-minute idea of Cindy's to, uh, let's go, you know, they're playing the finals, and I was like, honey, that, there's no way we can ever get in to see the finals of the tennis of the U S yeah. open tennis. You know, they're in Flushing Meadows. And uh, she said, doesn't matter. Let's just try. And you know, that story that I share in the book is an incredible God story because it was actually, um, September 11th, 2005. So it's the exact four year anniversary and there are policemen at, uh, you know, within feet of each other. And there was no way we were going to buy a ticket from somebody or yeah. something. It was just not going to happen. And some different events unfolded that allowed us to watch them, the match, and it was fun to even share that. Put that in the book as well.
1: So, so in the book that you said there's ten, about ten stories, mm-hmm. which we got time. If you want to share some of the some <laughs> of the ones that you think you know you'd like to share.
0: Yeah, you know the one that sticks out the most is that U.S. Open one, and I was so against and don't want to be embarrassed by somebody saying you can't do something. And Cindy doesn't care. You know, she's like, I don't, I don't care, you know? And I said, well, going up there, it looks like that's the gate, the front gate area. Just go, you know, the deal was open. There was a gentleman behind there and, um, and I stood back behind a little bit of a, a wall where they couldn't see me. And I said, uh, and I'm listening, and she said, um, so we'd like to have two tickets to that thing that's happening today. What do you have, like some kind of a tennis tournament? <laughs> and they laugh like you are. And and he turns around to these other guys and says, this is hilarious. This lady wants two tickets to this. This lady has been sold out for months. Yeah. And uh, he turns back around, and there are two tickets sitting on the, uh, the dash right in the area, right in front of her. And he said, Who, who's are these? And nobody answered. And he said, I'll sell you these for face value. If you want, they're 45 bucks a piece. And I screamed, it's God, yeah. you know, it uh, just a hilarious answer for, for something like that. And uh, we got up to our seats and if you're on a football field, we're basically on the 40 yard line right in the middle, just an incredible place to sit. And uh, and I just knew that God was probably going to take me in this deal because he's given me my final wish right. of the finals at the U.S. Open. And uh, Andre Agassi and Roger Federer were playing. And uh, it was a time when Agassi was at the very end of his career and Federer was at the beginning. And uh, Agassi won one set and his back just wouldn't hold up and Federer wiped him up, you know, three to one. But it was, uh, it was a really neat experience to, to watch that and to see, again, looking back on it, uh, God doing that for, yeah. for Cindy and I.
1: Yeah. Um, the other thing, I mean, you know, you talk, you talk about, they said the two things that, you know, you, you have a chai in the morning and just mm-hmm. your love for your wife, Cindy, How has this kind of just strengthened the relationship that you and your wife have through all of this, right? Because through tough times, yeah, it either breaks us or it makes us. And obviously, you know, forty coming up on forty years, like Mm -hmm. the people listening, that that just, you know, like I. I've been married to my wife seven and a half years now, you know, and, and she's awesome. And the way we met is just a storybook in itself. Mm. But, you know, like I, I always like to ask people like yourself who have been married for, for an extended period of time, a lot longer than we have, you know, yeah. how do you get through the easy times? How do you get through the tough times? Like, what do you do yeah. to, you know, and, and obviously faith is center of that, but you've had, you've gone through an extremely tough time, mm-hmm. multiple times. Um, so yeah, how, how has that kind of been well, for your relationship?
0: Well, you're pretty perceptive, I think, to even ask that question because we did have that two and a half years to prepare for what potentially was going to be one of the roughest Mm -hmm. times. And uh, I'm referring to the first heart surgery. And, you know, Cindy was preparing to be um, a widow and I was preparing to go to die. And uh, without either of us ever verbally saying that, but things like I would, I paid for our, our, lo- our plot beforehand. Yeah. She didn't know it. Um, I had what we called a death file. And I would say it almost callously yeah. to just say, hey, let's make sure we put that in the death file. you know. And it, yeah. neither of us realized that there was a distance growing like that. And I think after I survived the surgery and everything was fine, Cindy and I, there was a glue that was uh, put on that relationship uh, that I, I think would have been difficult to to have any other way. Um, so, in answer to your question, for those that don't have to go through this, which is something that I don't ever want to have happen again, not, I do think both Cindy and I have a great habit of being able to submit to the other, and you know it's always over just little, little things that couples we seem to think bicker or that that ought to be my deal or surely she can take the trash, you know, whatever it is. And I have felt like she's always submitted to me. I always submit to her. And it's like we almost want to beat the other one to take care of something. And in doing that, I think it it strengthens a relationship fairly dramatically mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah it's uh it takes a lot of pressure off
0: yeah right there's a guy named andy stanley that uh, has written a couple of books on that and it's something that Cindy and i've read taught a couple of uh church a uh, couple uh classes over and uh that's one i recommend highly
1: yeah so do you guys kind of, you know, do you, do you do a lot of that then together, go speak and stuff? And it doesn't have to be yeah. church, but do you kind of welcome kind of the both of you yeah. rather than just you like, going and telling your story? Like, For sure. I see she's a huge part of it equally as well.
0: And it, it's so important to do that because she had a completely different perspective. And so I would say some things that she would totally disagree with. Um, you know, case in point is the death file. She wouldn't say... Don't do that. But she hated that. Um, but there were a number of things. My son was only um, eight when we heard when he heard about this, and what eleven or twelve when I finally had the surgery. Well, you know he hadn't started growing any kind of facial hair or anything at that point. But he was asking me how to shave and how to tie a tie, and he was helping me. Um, put up the Christmas lights and I, at the time I thought, gosh, isn't that cool? You know, he's being so inquisitive at this time and he's wanting to help me. That's great. What I didn't know until long after the surgery was he was preparing to be the man of the house if I were gone. And so there were those kinds of things that I throw in the book as well, because I think it's important for people to hear that. Mm
1: Yeah, because, I mean, it's heartbreaking stuff, right? Yeah. Like, you know, when your 11-year-old son is like, you know, hey, it's, uh, you know, how do I do a tie? How, mm-hmm. how do I change a light bulb The a tire? Like, yeah. you know, all the things that a dad does, right? Or generally, yeah. you know, does growing up. Um, and I at, just, you know, it's,
0: I had a similar experience with my daughter. She was about 15, 16, so it was in that very difficult time yeah. for a lot of folks that a teenage daughter is... Uh, pulling a little away from the, the dad and the dad saying, do this, do that. Instead of understanding right. a little more where she's coming from. And, um, when it, when it came down to the, the night before surgery and I had to share the fact that this was going to be life or death, not yeah. what we thought initially. And I was talking to her on the phone cause she was still in New Mexico. Um, it was amazing what an adult, how an adult person she was, and how we were able to have a conversation that I don't think she and I will ever forget. Yeah. Yeah, it's really special.
1: And I mean, you have to have that conversation, no matter how tough and how difficult it is, right? Mm-hmm. And you almost have to have that conversation, not for you, but for her. Yeah. Because right? you, know, you could be selfish and just be like, I can't have this conversation. Oh. Everything will be fine. Love you. you know, see you tomorrow. Yep. And, but that's, you know, if, if the worst case happens and she's going to remember that as your last conversation rather than you saying what mm-hmm. you really want to get off your chest and say.
0: And, you know, I think the important thing that you're, you're saying right now is we have to have that conversation whether you have a pending heart surgery or not, because yeah. none of us know, you know, none of us are promised the next hour. Right. And so have those critical conversations, those yeah. important, loving conversations with your kids.
1: Yeah. So. What, what are the things then post that one and then post the second one that you don't take for granted? And, you know, you might, because the big problem, not big problem, the big thing I have is, um, and there's a book out, um, I can't remember the name of it. Oh, it's called Die with Zero. And mm. it basically talks about kind of, you know, there's a lot of stats in there around, the amount of money that you should do you actually spend when you're retired and talking about you know there's certain seasons in life to spend more money than you should save and you know you're not going to go rent a you know you're not going to go skydiving and rent a Ferrari at age 80 years old but you should do it when you're thirty five to forty because that's just the time makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a fascinating book. And I am mm. someone that like is big on experiences. Cause to your point, you know, we don't know if we're gonna be here tomorrow. And yes, you have to be sensible, right? Don't go financing a boat and all the other stuff if you can't afford it. Um, you know, or a house you're in the mortgage business, whatever it is. Sure. But there's certain times in life that, that there are the seasons that you know that are best to do certain things. My question to you is, is there anything since those surgeries that you don't, don't take for granted anymore, and you're like, you know, let's go do this. Let's go do that now. Why wait? Let's go do this. Is there anything that happened that you would tell or give advice to people like myself or any others listening that haven't gone through, you know, 2 mm-hmm. surgeries? And, you know, as far as we know, we get one go at life yeah. uh, and, and, you know, to not waste it. Well, I think, you know, you,
0: you said it, it's all about experience versus the dollar spent. There are times when we do have to spend uh, a little more to get some kind of experience that we want. But I think the key is to think about those experiences in advance, have those, don't allow money to hold you back. That's easy to say. I get that. Um, But it doesn't mean you have to do it today. You could do it a year from now, but you make it a priority and you become purposeful in your marriage and in your relationship with your kids to be sure that those experiences actually take place
1: mm-hmm. yeah Is there any trips you guys took once you got done that you're like come on we're doing this we gotta celebrate." well
0: uh, our 40th we're headed to hawaii sure. yeah so that's we've we've been there we went on our 30th i think okay. so that would have been after that as well yeah. um but we enjoyed it so much we kind of told ourselves that when we hit 40 we do it again yeah um you know i'm sure that we have taken some some nice places, but even if we don't go to a particular place, um, even here in Oklahoma, I mean, this is a perfect podcast to, to share. There's so many amazing places that Cindy and I have not gone yet. And we should make those a high priority. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, what, what is the plan now? What is the plan? So you have the book, right? The book is out. Um, you know, you're you're doing more speaking engagements. What do you want to do for the for the remainder and you know, like the next, you know, fifteen, twenty, thirty, four, however many years yeah. we have left. Like, well, what's the plan for you? <laughs> what, how do you want to you know tell your story and and, and impact others and give back? Yeah, I really
0: want to be able to share this heart story at various um, organizations, places that uh, would like to hear more about understanding that God does move in our lives every day. Uh, I think it's important that we we know that, and um, I, having the book gives some validity to it. Uh, tying it to Dr. Oz gives a little extra validity to it. The book is a lot of fun. Um, even though it's all talking about <laughs> these different things, there's, there's some humor throughout. So I love the opportunity of getting that out, being able to share the story. I think that's one of the reasons why God kept me around was to share that story. So
1: yeah.
0: that's what I'm doing, even though I'm still in the mortgage business. Um, I do some consulting for a company called developers mortgage company and i um, We've got some offices uh, throughout the Southwest, as, as well as on the East Coast. So uh, I do that, but in the meantime, uh, the more more important, in yeah. my opinion, is to share my heart story.
1: Yeah. Because it's topic, and, and on topic, and, and at this moment, mortgage rates, people think are going through the moon, going <laughs> to the moon. Uh, I'm in the real estate industry as well, and it, I keep telling people it's not as bad as it used to be, believe me. Um, <laughs> What, I mean, what, what what is the what is the state of the union in the mortgage world right now from a professional perspective? <laughs>
0: well, I you almost always have to remind people of where rates were. Um, you know, when I first bought our first house, it was at thirteen and a quarter, and uh, we thought we got the deal of the century. And uh, needless to say, you know, when rates got as low as three percent, and it sat there for a year or two, uh, we all Forgot where rates really are. And the fact that they're now between six and seven and, and the likelihood is that they're going to come down a little, but for the most part, um, people can afford a home, can um, can go ahead and, and pursue those dreams of home ownership in that 6% range. Yeah, And so uh, I think that's where it's going to stay. I think we'll see a little improvement as we go into the election year. but. Um, Everybody ought to realize that real estate is a cornerstone of our economy. And we can't buy homes if they're at eight, nine, 10%. So we've got to figure ways to get that rate and keep that rate in that five to 6% range. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's the. Yeah, you know, one of the greatest investments, right, is real estate. Absolutely. So, especially if you can find a renter to pay even some of your mortgage. You know, that mm-hmm. you don't have to find that one percent rental rate every single time. Just go find someone to, you know, cover half of it and you can afford it and you know, you'll have a house paid off in fifteen, twenty years, thirty years, yeah. whatever it is. So it is a great investment. Um I, uh, I keep battling the, I want to go buy a car instead of buying a rental house, but I think the other rental house is going to win at some point because it makes <laughs> a lot more sense. Um, although one of my favorite quotes in life is you can't race a car. I can't race a, a house, um, but you can race a car. And my wife says, well, you'll be sleeping in said car if you buy one, <laughs> that you can do in a car and a house. <laughs> um, but yeah, um. For, for people listening, the book is at jeffreyrodersmith.com. I'll put a link for that in the description. Oh, good. Thank go you. You go to that. Uh, and wh- what's your next engagement? When are you speaking next? Would you have anything coming up?
0: Yeah, I've got um, a couple of small groups like uh, various churches, uh-huh. um, men's group, crossings. Um, so, but actually, you know, I don't have anything scheduled talking to a few mega churches, one in San Antonio that. Um, Matt Hagee, he and his wife have asked me to come on their TV show and, and maybe potentially talk to the church. But I think that would be one of the best ways is throughout the United States to get to various churches and to share my story.
1: Yeah. Great. Um, well, Jeff, thanks for coming in. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your story. Uh, it's a wonderful story. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you reached out, and I'm glad you're using what you've been given to give back and teach others. It means uh, it means a lot to them and puts a lot of people at ease, I'm sure. Thanks, Mike. So, Appreciate it. Thank you. For people listening, I'll talk to you in the next episode. Cheers. do most of my old changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno, they're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever. I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffyford.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us on August 11th at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum for a celebration of hope featuring guest speaker Tim Tebow and musical artist Ben Fuller. Find out more and get your tickets at HIA10.com.